This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it Money Pit is presented by the Angie app and QuickCrete. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. We are here to help you take on the projects you want to get done around your house, inside or out. Reach out to us with your questions at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Now that September has arrived in all of its home improvement glory, we are now getting into the fall fix-up season officially, which is a great time because I always call this the Goldilocks season. It's like not too hot. It's not too cold. It's just right to do pretty much any job that you've got planned or thinking about doing in your house. And we are here to help you do that. So reach out with your questions. Two ways to do that. You can go to moneypit.com slash ask. That actually is the fastest way to get a response or Call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Coming up on today's show, one home improvement that consistently delivers a great return on investment is a brand new kitchen. But how do you actually get started on planning such a major makeover? We'll have tips to help just ahead. And have you ever tried to fix a crack in a concrete step or porch or sidewalk only to have it open right back up again? Well, we're going to share some easy ways to make those repairs and make them last. And your stove's exhaust hood is there for every cooking adventure, but it really gets much attention, uh, maybe except during a smoky kitchen incident. (laughs) We're going to tell you what you need to know to keep your vent hood in tip-top shape. But first, we are here to help you tackle all of your to-dos with confidence. I mean, it's the fall, you guys. Well, in a few days, it's the fall. But I love September and October, and there are so many amazing projects that you can do inside and out of your money pit. So let us know what you have in mind, and let's help you figure out how to get those done. Let's get to it. The number again is one eight 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 money pit or go to moneypit.com slash ask. Karen's on the line, and she's got a question about some unwanted visitors to her money pit. What can we help you with? Well, I thought in the past you mentioned something about um, some kind of a bug zapper that worked outside. Um, And the issue are flies, not like the kind of one they use light to get mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. This is for daytime. Well, the light works in the daytime as well. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is a product that called Dynatrap, D-Y-N-A-T-R-A-P. And the way it works is you, you kind of plug it in all season long, and there's a, a UV light that reacts with a plate uh, of metal. I'm not sure what the material is, but basically when it combines together, it gives off carbon dioxide, so it mimics human breath. And then the insects are drawn to that. And there's a fan that basically pulls them through the, through the unit and deposits them into a basket below where they kind of dry out. So that's the product you're referring to. 
Um, does it work on flies? I think so, but not as well as it works on mosquitoes, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and boy, does it work on oh, mosquitoes. It really I mean, works amazing. on mosquitoes well. Yeah, and I know those light ones do too, but the issue out in California is actually more flies than uh, mosquitoes because we don't have the moisture. You've got some good science behind it, so I certainly would give it a shot. Okay. I'm sorry, you said that was called Dynatrap? Yep, D-Y-N-A-T-R-A-P, Dynatrap. And do you know where it's sold? No, it's sold everywhere. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it in home centers and hardware stores or look at their website, which is, I believe, Dynatrap.com. Okay. And how big of an area does it kind of take care of? It depends on the size that you buy. I have actually two units. I have a one-acre unit that's in the back of my house, kind of around our dining area patio. And I actually have a smaller one that I think is rated at a half acre on my front porch, which is the other side of the house because we like to sit out there at night. And I tell you what, it's really created a mosquito-free zone around the entire home. It's amazing how well they do work. You just have to remember to clean it. Okay, thank you so much. We've got Randy in Arizona on the line who's got a drainage issue in the driveway. What's happening? I got an all-dirt, you know, it's kind of sandy. It's a good mixture of dirt in this 60-year-old house in Arizona. And when it rains, the water flows down both sides of the cement driveway and it exposes a PVC pipe. And I'm just trying to figure out a solution, maybe maybe make something out of cement or make something so the water runs through there without exposing the pipe on both sides. So what's the pipe doing? The pipe is the drainage pipe for, like, rainwater and stuff? No, it's. I had a guy put in a sprinkler, you know, a system. Right. And I didn't even think he was going to go underneath the driveway. He had this <laughs> pressure deal where he, he got all the way oh, underneath yeah, he there, blasted, but he didn't he go blasted down the dirt deep. away. Yeah. 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 Blasted the dirt away and ran the pipe through. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's it's to avoid having to tear up driveways. So I guess the soil or the sand washes out around this pipe. Is it possible for you around that area to kind of dig out the soft dirt that's there and fill it with gravel? And I'm thinking big gravel, like the gravel that's like an inch uh, in uh, an inch, inch and a half size gravel, because that's not going to wash away. And and if we can just cover that one area where the pipe gets exposed with gravel, even if the sand washes through and around that, it's not going to push the gravel away, and you won't be exposing that pipe. And you may even be able to find gravel that's different colors to do this with. Would something like that work? I'm trying to avoid any rocks uh, because the weeds are easier, but I'll try and maybe a smoother rock, like a river rock or something maybe, right? Well, listen, if you're worried about weeds, what you could also do is when you dig that area out, put filter fabric down first. Okay. Because that helps. And then if you do get weeds, you know, just chase it with a weed killer. You spray the weeds and it goes down and gets to the roots and stops it from coming back. I mean, I think at this point, we're trying to find a simple solution here for something that's basically at the level of an annoyance. You're probably the only guy that notices this you know, because you're looking for it every time and you've fixed it so many darn times. But I don't, I don't think we should be thinking about putting in curtain drains. That's a big expense. Hey, I'm glad I asked you because I don't need a big mess. So I agree with you so much. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for reaching out. We're glad to help. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. 
That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Hey, Money Pit Podcast fans, you want to help us out? Well, go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we're going to give you a virtual high five. Plus, you'll be helping us spread the word about our show. Just go to moneypit.com slash review. All right, now we've got Hope from Illinois on the line, who's in a super great mood about this project. What's going on? The project is uh, putting up a fence for our dogs uh, in a pretty large area at the back of the house um, that borders a creek. It's a very high creek bank. Water uh, rarely comes into the yard or anything, mm-hmm. but um, just concerned about moisture um, and and what the ground might be like underneath and if that should affect the material that we use for the fence. What are you thinking about? What kind of fence are you, are you leaning towards? Well, we've looked at everything from like w- rolls of welded wire on, on posts or uh, some sort of black wrought iron low fencing, something like three feet. Okay. So in either case, you're going to have metal fence posts, not wood fence posts. Have you thought about wood fencing or are you just afraid yeah, of the water? Yeah, we have definitely thought of wood as well. Yes. Okay. So, well, something th- that won't um, ruin our view. Right. Okay. Hey, now that's a great point because if you want something that's almost invisible, the idea of the black fencing is definitely the way you want to go. If you have a, a black fence, like I often see these around pools because, you know, people put pool fences around because they absolutely have to and should. They're not only required, but they're just essential for safety. But let's face it, you spend all that money on the pool, you don't want to kind of just stare at a fence from, you know, from your house or the street. But if you use black fencing, it's almost invisible. It like melts in with the background. So I think that that's a really good choice if that is your goal. In terms of the moisture, I really don't think you have anything to be concerned about. If you were working with a wood fence or wood post, I would tell you to put those posts in and don't use any concrete, just use stone uh, aggregate, you know, like a gray driveway gravel kind of thing, because it drains and the post is just as solid with the stone as it is I found with concrete, um, but it drains very well and it's really locked in place well. Now, in terms of the metal post, I've not put in, well, I put one metal fence post in around a large garden some years ago. And I think if I recall right, I use stone for that, but you're going to have to check the manufacturer's recommendations. You don't have the same issues with rot. Most of those posts are aluminum. You just don't want to make sure that the, want to make sure that the post is not going to react with the concrete. And if you do decide to go with concrete and the metal post, then I would use the quick crete concrete product in the red bag because you can pour it in dry and then kind of water the hole. So you don't have to mix it up ahead of time. You basically pour it in dry and let it sit there and then just fill the water with, fill the hole with water and a couple hours later, you're good to go. Well, thank you so much. And I listen to you every single week. I've learned so much from you guys. Oh, thank you so much. Good luck with the new house and call us back anytime. Thank you. Heading over to David who wants to talk about some insulation. Tell us about your project. I'd like to use my garage uh, just for uh, leaving my cars and a few projects. 
Above the garage is non-living space, just an attic. Should I insulate my above the ceiling while I air condition the garage for the first time? So, David, I'm thinking this through, uh, or of the opinion you probably should insulate it, and here's why. Now, typically, insulation, what it's going to do is if you have heat, for example, which you don't have in this case, it would rise and it would keep that heat in. However, in this case, you're going to have a very hot attic, and it would be great if the layer of insulation was there at the ceiling because it'll stop some of that really hot attic from radiating down through the ceiling in your garage in Florida and warming the garage. So I don't think you can go wrong by insulating that ceiling. You don't have to go crazy with it, but if you put six inches up there, I think it would make a difference. Uh, in terms of the split ductless, excellent choice. And if you do have an opportunity to insulate the walls, I would do that as well for the very same reason. I think the AC is going to work a lot less if the place is a little bit better insulated. Well, fall is actually the most popular time of year for kitchen renovations because everybody is just in a darn rush to get things going for the holidays. Why do we put such pressure on ourselves, you know? (laughs) But it happens every season. I don't know. I feel like people love a deadline. It's motivating. It really, but it's really procrastinating at its best, you guys. You know, people just want to get them done. And I think the hardest part, given that time crunch, is really figuring out where to start. Yeah. You know, it's easy to stick with the same old current design. But if you think outside the old boxes, that can bring inspiration on sort of a brand new and even more efficient kitchen layout. Think about changes to the location of maybe the sink, the functionality of the countertop, adding or even removing an island, maybe to free up some space. Maybe getting strategic with lighting to make sure you have both task and accents lighting. These are all things that a pro designer can help you achieve. And the kind of things that you might not really think about until someone suggests it to you and shows you how it could benefit the new design. Yeah, and you know what? You can find an experienced design pro with the National Kitchen and Bath Association. It's also known as NKBA. They do offer a certification program. And to become an NKBA certified kitchen and bath designer, these pros have to have at least five years of design experience and must complete at least 60 hours of continuing education. So they know what's up. They know what's on trend. They know how to make it functional. I mean, it is definitely worth it to find one of these pros. Yeah, and if you want to make that holiday deadline, they'll also know what suppliers are going to actually work with you on that and make that happen. And the really nice thing about working with a pro designer is that you can pretty much wipe the slate clean and sort of start from scratch. So the sky's the limit. You know, seeing a beautiful kitchen design in a showroom or on a website can be fun, but it can also feel overwhelming. But if you have the skills of a design pro, it really can make all the difference in the world and help you achieve all that is possible for your particular space all while potentially saving you money, time, and hassle of figuring it all out on your own and, most importantly, making that holiday dinner. (laughs) I know, know, right? It's going to be a really expensive holiday dinner by the time you get done with the kitchen, but it'll be nice to be done. We've got Carrie on the line who's looking to add a bathroom, a second one, but where is the best spot? Carrie, what's going on? We have a house that's from 1912. We have a vacant area in the basement that has just some storage, and then we have a partially finished um, attic space our bedroom used to be up there and, and we have a like a huge open space up there and my husband and I are wanting to add a second bathroom. Okay. We're not sure if we if we should be, you know, which which area we should be doing it. Like is it better to pump up or let gravity <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. How does gravity play into this is your question. <laughs> Well, I, I would take a step back from that, and I would think, if it was me, I would think more about the real estate value of the house, and I would suggest that having a bathroom on the second floor is probably going to be more attractive 
to potential future buyers than having a bathroom in the basement. The basement is more of a nice-to-have thing, and if it's a big rec room, and if it's a big family area, and that's almost like, I, I hate to call it this, but it's almost like have, it's a luxury to have a basement bathroom. In, in terms of the plumbing, it's not a problem. You know, we have the technology. Up or the, down, we can make it happen. <laughs> we can make it happen. We can move that sewage whichever way it has to go. Uh, in the, obviously, upstairs, you have a traditional plumbing, but in the basement, you would use something uh, called a lift pump, and essentially, is is kind of like a sealed sump pump in a way, but but much more heavy duty, and it grinds up waste, and then it pumps it up until it can catch the uh, the drain line out of the house, which is generally you know not too terribly high, but you know we could do either way. But I think if it was me and Leslie, you tell me what you think. But I'm thinking having it upstairs, especially if it was potentially if it was or it could potentially be like the master bedroom, that would be like an essential part of the suite, you know. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, we've been looking to move and I really want my own bathroom in the bedroom. And, you know, when that's not an option and then they're like, oh, look, here's this beautiful bathroom in the basement. And you're like, well, that's awesome. But I don't want to go all the way to the basement. I want my own. <laughs> I want to go right. right here. So, I yeah. mean, truly, if that's going to be like your main hangout space, not your only option, then do it there. But for a value of the home and resale value, that second floor is really going to work because everybody's living there. You're going to argue over who gets to shower first. I mean, all the things that happen that you have not yet encountered are going to happen. So avoid them by having that second bath there. Perfect advice. I, I didn't think about any of that stuff. I really appreciate that. That makes absolute perfect sense. Glad we're able to help you out and good luck with the project and call us back if you have more questions anytime. Right. We appreciate you guys. All right. Take care, Carrie. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered 
is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Now we're going to take a call from Ed in Arkansas, who's got a question about a fireplace and the fuel choice. What's going on, Ed? My question is rather unorthodox. Uh, in parts of the country where there's lignite coal, which is, this is one of them, is it safe? And I think it, it's, it's kind of quietly practiced and people don't talk about it much. They, um, maybe in their fireplace, say like even a prefab built in, fireplace or sometimes in wood stoves, people use lignite coal in a supplement fashion. And my question is, is that safe? So Ed, that's a really interesting question. And I have to say, I've never received that question before, but I do know the answer. And the answer is no, you should not be burning coal in a fireplace. I do know that coal fireplaces are actually built quite different than wood-burning fireplaces. They're usually, you saw them a lot in sort of Victorian age houses, and they're very tall and they're very narrow because you don't need that much coal to generate a lot of heat. The problem is that if you try to burn it in a regular fireplace, the draft is not set up correctly. Coal burns much, much hotter than wood. So it is potentially a dangerous practice, and you absolutely positively cannot use it in a fireplace that has an insert, and certainly not one that's prefabbed, because it is so so not recommended for that, that you would be creating a major fire hazard. So while I can understand that the material is available, unless you specifically have a coal-burning fireplace, you should not use it in anything else that you use to burn wood in. Fireplace, wood stove, the like, don't do it. Stick with the wood, stick with the fuel that it's designed for. It's a lot safer. All right. Next up, we've got Georgia calling from Pennsylvania. What's going on, Georgia? How can we help you? Well, hi, Leslie. Um, I have a problem. We have a stone home that actually my dad had built in the 50s, solid stone. And we have a window in a bedroom that the bedroom was actually over a crawl space. And the window had been leaking water around around it, and I don't know for how long, but we just had a wrap like last year thinking that would take care of the musty smell that we have, but it hasn't, and we can't, you know, we don't know if we have to rip out the walls, or the, the hardwood floors, if there, you know, if there's mold in there, you know, any suggestions that, so we don't have to go through all that. Is the home occupied all the time, or is it like a vacation home? No, it's it's our home. It's your home, Okay. And is the smell just coming from the basement, or is it coming from the room where you had the leak? Or the crawl space, rather? Maybe a combination of both. I don't know. We haven't actually crawled into the crawl space to see, but it smells like it's coming from the walls. Is the crawl space accessible, Georgia? Is there room to get in there? Yeah. Okay, when you go in the crawl space, is it just like a sand floor, like a dirt floor? Yeah, dirt. Do you have any kind of vapor barrier in there? Do you have any kind of plastic down over the floor? We do not. Okay. That's something we were going to do, but we haven't yeah. gotten around to it yet. Yeah. Well, a couple of things come to mind. First of all, 
This may be obvious, but I want to make sure that there's no like animal that got in there that died and is now that source of the smell in the crawl space. Um, secondly, I do think you need to get in that crawl space and you need to lay down very heavy visqueen or plastic sheeting with as few seams as possible. If you're going to overlap it, overlap like four feet of it, you know, so you really trap the moisture under that floor. Because right now, all the humidity in the soil is just evaporating right up into the house. And if you put a vapor barrier down, you're going to change that a lot. The third thing that you could do is you could have in the crawl space vents, which I'm hoping it has, you could have a, a fan installed into those vents that works on a humidistat so that whenever it gets very damp and humid in the crawl space, whatever, when the percent humidity is sort of reached, that fan will kick on and draw some drier air from the outside through that space. Those steps will help reduce the volume of moisture that's in that crawl space and coupled with that would be just some um, basic maintenance to your outside grading and drainage, making sure you have gutters that are clean and free-flowing and downspouts that are extended, uh, and also make sure that the soil, where possible, slopes away from the wall. You have to take steps to reduce the humidity, and, and just doing those few things will have a major impact on it. So you don't think that we have to worry about the, like mold in the walls or... Anything like that that we have to deal with? I don't know, but but I want you to do all these basic things first. These are basic, easy, inexpensive things that almost always lead to very significant moisture problems inside a house. So let's take care of the simple things first before we start tearing walls open. Well, it works for me. <laughs> all right, Georgia. All right. Well, if you've ever tried to fix a crack in a concrete step or porch or sidewalk and then it just opens right up again, you might be thinking wow, I think I did that wrong, and maybe there's a better way. (laughs) Well, there is, guys. So the first step here is to clean that crack and get rid of any old debris in there. Next, if it's just hairline, you got to widen it out a bit so that it actually can hold on to the sealant, and you can do that with a masonry chisel. Now, if the crack is already wide, the next step there is to fill it with a backer rod, which is a foam tube that keeps the sealant up toward the top of the crack where it belongs. Now, once you've done the prep, it's time to choose a sealant that matches the project at hand. So if you have cracks, you want to get a concrete crack sealant. Now, this type of a sealant is going to permanently seal and waterproof cracks in concrete with sort of a textured matte finish. Now, for deep cracks, you want to fill those spaces with a self-leveling sealant. That's going to permanently seal horizontal cracks and expansion joints in concrete with a smooth, level finish. And for vertical cracks, there's a type of sealant called non-sag sealant, which does just that. It permanently seals vertical cracks sort of without running out, and it's good for expansion joints in concrete and masonry and stucco and even brick. Now, all of these set in about an hour, you guys, and most importantly, once you fix that crack, it's going to stay fixed. Kelly in Mississippi's on the line and needs some help restoring an old home. What can we do for you? I have a 100-year-old home. The walls of the house is brick. The eaves are wood. And over the years, I, the, eaves, the eaves have been painted, and, and it's just blistered paint, peeling paint, and probably three or four layers of paint. Okay. I want to know the best way to remove that paint and redo it. Yeah. Well, you've got to strip the paint, and it's a big job. There are different types of chemicals, chemical strippers that are available. Um, there are some natural, they're called orange peeled strippers, that are showing promise where you apply the stripper, you cover it with like a plastic, 
and then you leave it for you know some period of time, a couple of hours, and it, it seems to speed up the stripping process. But if you've got that much paint on it, you're going to need to strip off what you can. Uh, and then once you're done with that, Kelly, you do need to prime it because that's going to give you a, a good solid surface upon which the next coats will stick very well. I would be concerned that if you just stripped off the old paint, try to put another top coat on there, you wouldn't have the adhesion because the primer is kind of the glue, you know, that makes that paint stick. Okay. What's the product that you, you would recommend to remove that paint? There's a product at Home Depot called Citrus Strip that works very well. Okay. It's a, it's a stripping gel. And it's safer to use uh, than the traditional paint strippers. And then there's another one that's called Clean Strip that also works very well. So I would take a look at those two products. And, and what I would do is maybe buy a gallon of each and give them each a try. You know, sometimes the formulation of the paint, depending on how it was made and how old it is, you know, impacts which, which stripper works the best. So I would buy a small right. quantity, test it out, see which works best, and go from there. Okay. Sounds great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We've got Catherine on the line who's got a beautiful old home, but some of the bricks are falling apart. What's going on? I have a brick home and the one corner around the foundation, some of the brick faces have popped off and some of the mortar is crumbling. What brand of mortar should I use and should I follow it up with a rubber sealant or silicone sealant, what type of sealant and what brand? And also, is there one that I can paint so that I can match it to my house? We're only talking about an area of a few bricks and a corner of a house. So it's pretty small area. Okay, Catherine, so you want to repair the deteriorated brick and the mortar. Now, one of the things that you're going to probably need to think about is the fact that the repair products that you use, you want them to somewhat match the color. Fortunately, that is actually not difficult today because there are dyes that you can mix in with different types of repair products. Now, in terms of the brick, there's a product that Quickrete makes called Recap, which is designed to adhere to old masonry surfaces. And I think that you can get this and mix in some of the dye that's available also from Quickrete or other suppliers to get a reddish color that won't sort of stick out like a sore thumb when you make this repair. It's used to build up maybe half to three-quarters of an inch of the deterioration off of a surface, and it sticks really, really well. In terms of the mortar, that's exactly what you want. You want a mortar repair product because that configuration for mortar is different than a basic cement, and it's designed to be a little stickier 
and stay inside that joint. One tool that will help you is something called a pointing trowel, which is a very narrow trowel that's designed to fit in between the layers of brick. So you got a little bit of work to do there, but if you use the right products, they're going to adhere properly and blend in with the old home that you have right now. Well, your stove exhaust vent hood is there for every cooking adventure that you go on, but it rarely gets any attention except during a very smoky kitchen incident. So to keep things operating safely, the filter in your stove vent hood, it does need regular attention. Yeah. Now, for the most part, you can clean standard filters with a degreasing solution followed by warm, soapy water. Or in some cases, you can put it on the top rack of your dishwasher. If your fan uses activated charcoal filters, those need to be removed and replaced every three months. And while you're at it, use that same degreasing solution to clean the inside of that hood. Make sure the power is off, but it does tend to get really gooey with grease, and this is going to make it run more efficiently and more safely. So good idea to tackle that project. It's not something you think about all the time, but you'll find that the fan is going to work, the exhaust fan is going to work a whole lot better with a clean or a fresh filter in it. Jeff in Massachusetts is on the line who uh, mysteriously has a hole in a bathroom door. (laughs) How'd that happen, Jeff? Yes, hello. Well, apparently uh, one of my guests slammed the bathroom door a little bit too hard, and it threw the bolt out all by itself. So <laughs> we got locked out of our own bathroom. Oh, boy. Uh, this is a very old building, a 1928 building, and these are these thin panel doors where the center of the door is a very thin panel. Yep. So we, we bashed a hole through the panel to open the door. Now my question to you is, can this door be repaired? Can it be disassembled so you can replace the center panel, or do I just go out and buy a whole new door? So uh, is it a solid door, or is it a hollow door? It's, it's, well, it's a solid door, but the thick part of the door is only like uh, four inches around the edge, and the right. center part of the door is a very thin, like, quarter-inch panel. And is the panel a raised panel? Does it have a design to it? No, it's a flat, it's a flat panel. Oh, well, then I think you could replace it. Is the door painted or stained? Uh, I believe it's been painted numerous times. Yeah, then I think there's no reason you can't fix it. It, it would be really hard to find a door to fit that space, and, and I think just taking the door apart and a good carpenter can build you a panel and, and set it right in there, and with uh, a little bit of luck, it, it won't look too much different than anything else. Well, that was my question, whether the door can be disassembled. I, I've heard of situations where they took a saw and sawed out the molding on the inside of the door that holds in the panel and you put the new panel in that way. I don't think you have to take it apart. In fact, I don't think you can take it apart. I think what you're probably talking about doing is, is routing out a groove on the, on the back side of that so you can set the panel in and then maybe covering it with a small quarter-round molding or something. In that okay, that's the way to go. Well, thank you very much for this. All right, Jeff, good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, Jenna wrote into Team Money Pit, and she says, My washer and dryer are stacked and in a closet with about three to four inches of space on the sides of the dryer, so it's not possible to reach behind them. The duct leaving the dryer is flexible. How can I add a metal vent pipe for the dryer if you can't access it? Uh, those, uh, those stackable washer dryers that are inside closets are really difficult to vent. But there is a trick of the trade that I think a lot of folks are not aware of. You know, in the back of a dryer, we're used to seeing the exhaust duct coming out at the bottom in the middle of the back. But most dryers will allow you to vent it out the side of the dryer. 
And if you start to take apart the panels that cover that, you'll see that there's usually a way to twist the vent and point it towards the side of the dryer where you typically find like a knockout, like a pre-punched hole in the sides of the dryer by the bottom. So if you can get that vent out by the side of the dryer, then you can use what's called a periscope vent, which is sort of a square ducted vent that connects to the point where it comes out of the dryer, and then it extends up towards the top of the machine, at which point you can connect it with a traditional duct. And by the way, I wouldn't use flex duct. With this, I would use a solid metal dryer duct for this because you'll have less resistance. It'll clean a lot more efficiency. And then since you told me you're going up into an attic, you've got to go through the attic and through the roof or through the attic and out a sidewall. You can't just dump it in the attic. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of moisture up there that's going to impact your home's ability to be energy efficient. All right. Now, Tyler reached out and says, I noticed condensation building up on our windows and found the wood windowsill to be rotted both inside and out. I repaired the rot, stripped and replaced the old paint and caulk, and then used a primer and repainted everything. And it was a lot of work. But the next day, I woke up to a foggy, water-dripping window once again. Is this a humidity issue? Do I need an air purifier or just new windows? I'm also seeing condensation at other windows. And at this point, I don't know where to start. I feel terrible that you went through all this work on this particular window because, unfortunately, I think you missed the primary cause. Whenever we see foggy windows and condensation, typically it's because you have a thermal pane that's, that's failed. Thermal pane glass is where you have two layers of glass, and there's a seal around that glass. And when the seal fails, you get humidity and moisture inside. And it'll get worse depending on the difference in temperature between outside and in. Moisture is always moving from the inside towards the outside, and when it gets into that space, it just condenses, and that's why it looks like it's all fogged. So, yes, unfortunately, you need to replace the windows. I mean, the thing is, because the window is fogged, it's really a cosmetic issue. It, it will make it less energy efficient. It's not a, a thing where you have to go out right away and replace the windows, but you probably should start to schedule this. And you could do the worst windows first. You could do the windows if, if your heating bills are high. You could do the north and the east First, if your air conditioning bills are high, you can do the south and the west sides first. You don't have to do it all at once. But I think it is time to think about upgrading these windows and replacing them with new Energy Star rated windows. And that's going to solve this once and for all. And you know what, Tyler? You'll probably get a credit for upgrading those windows on your taxes. So think about that. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I think we should change it to the Home Adventure Show because home improvement is an adventure. And we're happy to be your guides on that adventure. If you've got questions, couldn't get through today's show, please remember you can reach us 24-7 by going to moneypit.com slash ask. We won't respond 24-7, but we're usually pretty quick with the answers to your questions. Or you can always call us at one eight 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 money pit But for now, that's all the time we have. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.